0: Good morning, everybody. So good to be with you. Hey, I got a question for you. How many of you guys do laundry? Anybody, anybody in charge of the laundry in your house? I happen to be in charge of the laundry in our house, and I love it. I mean, I love doing laundry because it gives me this great sense of accomplishment. Plus, I always know where my clothes are. And additionally, it is, is a great blessing to my wife. She does not enjoy laundry as much as I do. But did you know that there are some, some life lessons you can learn from doing laundry? Did you know that? Have you ever pondered this? this? That's what I do all the time. For instance, you guys familiar with these? You know the dryer sheets? There's a life lesson right here. Have you ever done the laundry, and so then you, you climb in bed, and you got your nice, soft, maybe it's your flannel sheet since it's wintertime, and you're just snuggling up, and all of a sudden you feel something strange down around your feet. You know, and then you got to, like, go undercover, literally, you know, and you crawl down there, and what do you pull out? One of these dryer sheets, right? Or how about this? Like, like you're, you're all dressed up, and you're ready to go, and you're, maybe you're even, like, speaking in front of a crowd, and you notice, son of a gun. One of those dryer sheets, yet again. You you notice they're, they're made to cling, aren't they? They seem to cling, but they don't cling to everything. They only cling to like the soft, easy things, right? Like this. But they don't cling to the hard things. They won't cling to them. They always cling to the nice, soft, easy things. I think we're like dryer sheets. I think we were made to cling to things, but we tend to want to cling to what's easy, what's soft, instead of maybe what is best and sometimes hard and difficult. I I think we were made to cling to God, but but clinging to God can be really hard. It can be really difficult. It may be the hardest thing that you ever do. And I want us to look at that this morning. I want us to consider what is it that we're clinging to? What is it that we're clinging to? And to do that, we're going to continue um, in Joshua. So we've been in the book of Joshua now it seems like forever for some of you, I know, but uh, we are wrapping it up. We're in the home stretch. This is Joshua chapter 23. Um, If you have a church Bible you want to follow along, it's on page 230, so I encourage you to do that. I'm going to actually be sharing from the uh, New Living Translation this morning just because I like the way it flows. Now, in case you haven't been with us, maybe you're new to us or you've forgotten everything that we've been talking about, let me give you a quick recap of what's been going on. So um, the nation of Israel, known as the Israelites, they had been enslaved in Egypt for some 400 years. Imagine that, slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They cried out to God and God heard their cries. And he sent a deliverer, a man by the name of Moses, to lead them out of slavery and into this promised land that he had waiting for them. That's what happened. And so Moses begins to lead the Israelites out of Egypt to this promised land, which was north. It was was bordered on the east by the Jordan River and on the west by the Mediterranean Sea. It's a beautiful place, still is today. And so Moses began leading them through the wilderness and you know it it just took a couple days and and the Israelites started to grumble and they started to complain. And and they, they were starting to turn on God and turn on Moses because God wasn't providing for them the way they thought he ought to. And God tried to appease them and meet their needs. He gave them what they wanted, but they still grumbled. And yet in his graciousness, he still brought them to the promised land. He then had them select from each of the 12 tribes a spy to go in and to spy out the land and come back with a report. Well, 10 of the 12 came back and, and instead of fixing their eyes on God and his promises of this land and, and how he promised to deliver them from their enemy, they focused on the size and the strength of the enemy. And they said, we need to turn back. We need to turn back, we need to go. This is, this is too daunting, too great a task even for God. And there were two men, guys by the name of Joshua and Caleb, they said, no, please, whatever you do, do not turn your back on God. Continue to cling to God, continue to trust him. This is the land he promised us, he will deliver it into our hands. Well, the people listened to the 10 instead of the two. They turned their back on God. They quit clinging to him and they clung to their fear. Well, God sentenced them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years until an entire generation died off, including Moses himself. Now, once Moses died, Joshua was raised up to be the new leader of the Israelites. And you know where he led them right off the bat? Back to the promised land. But this time, They followed Joshua, they clung to God, and God did exactly what he had promised to do from the very beginning. He delivered their enemy into their hands, and then he distributed the land to each of the twelve tribes as an inheritance. That's where we pick up this morning. We're in Joshua 23. We're going to begin with verses 1 through 5. The years passed, and the Lord had given the people of Israel rest from all their enemies, Joshua, who was now very old, called together all the elders, leaders, judges, and officers of Israel. He said to them, I'm now a very old man. You've seen everything the Lord your God has done for you during my lifetime. The Lord your God has fought for you against your enemies. I've allotted to you as your homeland all the land of the nations yet unconquered as well as the land of those we have already conquered, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. This land will be yours, for the Lord your God will himself drive out all the people living there now. You will take possession of their land, just as the Lord your God has promised you. So after more than five years of being at war, it was finally time to rest. Again, the land had been allotted. Now there was still work to be done because there were still enemies living in the land. Not all of them have been pushed out. So um, God says, take a while, rest up, but I promise you that I am going to drive out the rest of them. The remainder of your enemies I will drive out and you can take full possession of this land. Now, Joshua gives them some advice, some sage words of wisdom here in verses 6 through 8. He says, so be very careful. Be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Do not deviate from it, turning either to the right or to the left. Make sure you do not associate with the other people still remaining in the land. So he's talking about those people that have yet to be driven out, their enemies. He said, do not even mention the names of their gods. Again, they served lots of gods. Much less swear by them or serve them or worship them. Rather, cling tightly, cling tightly to the Lord your God as you've done until now. So Joshua's warning them. He's like, hey, be careful. Like, don't look over here to the right or or over here to the left and and get caught up in what your enemy's doing, even though it may seem really attractive, really inviting. Now, keep your focus on me. Cling to God. Cling to God. And so, um, when I read this, and when he says, don't turn to the right or to the left, it reminds me not only of this passage, but there's other passages just like this in the Bible. And the image that immediately comes to my mind is one of, of a field being plowed. One of a field being plowed. Uh, Jesus even referenced this illustration in Luke chapter 9. If you've ever plowed a field or a garden, anybody ever done that, you, you probably know the importance of, of just keeping Your eyes focus on on a point in front of you, directly in front of you. And to to keep your hands on the plow or the rototiller, you got to hold tight, right? And if you keep the focus and you hold tight, you get these nice straight rows, right? But what happens if all of a sudden you start looking to the right? Or you start looking to the left? You start to veer that way, right? Or what happens if you like loosen a hand, you take one hand off? All of a sudden, you got a mess on your hands, don't you? Like Joshua knew their tendency was going to be, man, what are they doing over here? Yeah I, that seems really attractive. I think I might go in this direction or go in that direction. He's like, no, whatever you do, keep your eyes, focus on God. cling to him, hold tight, hold tight. now um Listen in in verses 9 through 11 now. So he wants to encourage them, and and he's going to give them some, again, words of wisdom, but he wants them to, to look back to remember God's faithfulness and his power, the power that he had already revealed to them. And he also wants to remind them of God's promise right now and in the future. So God has a promise for them right now and also in the future. He says, for the Lord has driven out great and powerful nations for you, and no one has yet been able to defeat you. Each one of you will put to flight, listen to this, a thousand of the enemy. For the Lord your God fights for you, just as he has promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. So Joshua emphasizes the things of the past about how God had provided, how he had delivered their enemy, who, who was much stronger much more numerous than them. Time and time again, God had delivered their enemy into their hands. They had been successful in battle. For instance, you you remember, um, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Remember how God even sent hail from heaven and wiped out their enemy? They didn't even have to use their swords. God took care of it. He was fighting for them. He was fighting for them. And so he's promising them, just as I've done in the past, I'm gonna do today for you. Cling to me. I'm going to do it in the future for you. Just cling to me. Continue to love me. Keep your focus on me. Hold tight to me. He says, each of you, like you will wipe out multitudes of people. A thousand men can't stand before you. That's how strong and mighty you're going to be as long as you continue to cling to me and I fight for you sort of got this image in my mind. So we talked two weeks ago about Shiloh, and it's this place where um, the tabernacle was. This was the place where the Israelites would go to worship God. And, and I just have this view of, of some of the Israelite soldiers standing up there on that hill, and, and they're gathered together. And then they look down into the valley, and there's 10,000, 10,000 warriors all ready for battle to come against them. And I had this vision of, of the, the general in charge, and he, he's looking over and he's assessing the situation. And then he's like, all right, I need 10 volunteers to go take these dudes out. Just 10, you know, <laughs> like a thousand's nothing to each one of you. Just 10 guys, go do it. Can you imagine how amazing it must be, uh, was for them and, and even for us today to, to know that God fights for you? Think about that, God fights for you. Think about the power that that brings. Think about the the confidence you have when you know God is fighting for you, that you don't even need to fear a 1,000 to one odds because God is on your side. What would ever cause you to turn against God, to quit loving God, to quit clinging to God? Would there be anything? You know, sadly for the Israelites and sadly for us today, There are lots of things. There are lots of things that cause us to quit clinging to God and to loosen our grip on him. Things like sexual immorality, lustful pleasures, idolatry, jealousy, selfish ambition, envy, drunkenness, I mean, I could go on and on. These are just a few. If you look at Galatians 5, it refers to these things as works of the flesh, works of the flesh. And all of these things tend to cause us to to loosen our grip on God and to go over here to the right and and cling to things that, that seem easy, that seem inviting, fulfilling, or go over here to the left. And to worship these gods. He said, don't do it. Cling to me. Cling to me. Because there are consequences that come when we don't. Listen to verses 12 and 13. Joshua is warning them yet again. It says, but if you turn away from him and cling to the customs of the survivors of these nations remaining among you, and if you intermarry with them, then know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive them out of your land. Instead, there'll be a snare and a trap to you, a whip for your backs and thorny brambles in your eyes, and you will vanish from this good land the Lord your God has given you. He warned them. He warned them. He said, don't cling to the customs of the survivors around you. Don't cling to them. I mean, they, they look fun, they, they promise a lot of fulfillment, don't, don't cling to them. Don't cling to them. Even though they are easy, and maybe following God and clinging to him is hard, don't cling to those things. He goes on, he says, don't intermarry with them. Don't intermarry with them. It wasn't a racist or racial kind of issue there, it was a spiritual issue. He's saying don't intermarry with them. They worship all these other gods. If you intermarry with them, what's gonna happen? They're gonna lead you astray. They're gonna lead you away from the one true God. Do not intermarry with them. He warned them. And here's the thing: so evil, you know, seldom looks like the the, the devil with a red pitchfork, you know, or, or this dark. Um, dangerous place that you might be afraid to enter into. You know, typically, um, evil most often appears as fun and, and very inviting. It, it appears to be free and, and with no strings attached. See, that's typically how evil presents itself. And many of us fall prey to it. Many of us fall prey to it because we're not focused on the Lord, we're not clinging to God. We get distracted, and all of a sudden, the customs of the people around us seem a lot more fun and a lot easier, and we begin to stray. Well, Joshua goes on, and, and he gives them further warnings. and He said, this is what's going to happen. If you begin to cling to their customs, you begin to worship their gods, here's what's going to happen. He said, they're going to become a snare and a trap for you. They're going to become a snare and a trap for you, You know, and when if if you think about baiting a trap for an animal, it's something that looks so good, right? And they go in and they grab hold of it, and even though they're trapped, they're not willing to let go. They're not willing to let go, even though it traps them and will lead to their destruction. He's saying, "Watch out! They're going to be a snare and a trap for you." He goes on and warns them. He says, "They're going to be a whip on your backs. They're they're gonna they're gonna." cut you deep to the bone, deep to the heart. They're going to leave you bloodied, bruised. They're going to leave you on the verge of death if they don't lead you to death. Be on guard against them. Don't cling to them. And he says, they're going to be thorny brambles in your eyes, thorny brambles in your eyes. You're going to have difficulty even enjoying the beauty of God's creation. You're going to have a difficult time seeing God for who he truly is. Because of them, avoid them, avoid them, avoid their gods, whatever it is that they're worshiping them. No matter how easy, how appealing it may be, cling to me, cling to me. He goes on and says, this is what's going to happen. You know, if you do, they'll cause you to van- to be vanished from this good land the Lord your God has given you because the Lord your God will no longer drive them out of your land. He warned them. He warned them. And then in verses 14 through 16, he shares with them another promise. Only this is not a promise of God's blessing. This is a promise of God's destruction. A promise of God's destruction. He says this is what's going to occur if you start clinging to the gods of your enemies. Um, Joshua said, soon I'll die. Going the way of everything on earth. Deep in your hearts, you know that every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not a single one has failed. But as surely as the Lord your God has given you the good things he promised, he will also bring disaster on you if you disobey him. He will completely destroy you from this good land he has given you. If you break the covenant of the Lord your God by worshiping and serving other gods, his anger will burn against you and you will quickly vanish from the good land he has given you. We don't like to think about God promising destruction, do we? We just, we want to believe that he's only going to bless us no matter what we do, right? But do you know the history of Israel? Do you know what happened? So this is historical you know, fact, you can go back and, and read about it, we can even see it um, playing out today, they did exactly what Joshua told them not to do, and, and they stopped clinging to God, and they started to cling to other gods. They began to intermarry. They began to get distracted. They stopped clinging to God, and they clung to the customs and the culture and even the gods of their enemies. And eventually, they were destroyed. They were led into captivity out of the promised land. Time and time again, God was gracious and brought them back. But then they would turn their back on God. You just see it time and time again. It played out just like Joshua warned them it would. And it's still playing out to this day. So what can we learn from them and their their example, and how can we apply that to our lives? Well, I think the simplest of lessons is that we need to cling to God. We need to cling to God, even though we, we live in a world where we're sort of in a promised land. If you look around the world, this is about as nice a land as anybody could live in, and we have all these fruits and all of these freedoms, but our tendency is that we're we're living amongst people who were not following after God. And sometimes we look over here and we're like, you know, I really like what they're doing. Like that looks pretty fun. And it doesn't look like it's going to cost me anything either. Like everything's free. And I might go that direction or I might go this direction. And I think the word is the same for us. Cling to God, cling to him. Um, we're easily led astray. One of the my favorite examples in the Bible was was of Jesus, and you guys remember his interactions with uh, children. I, I remember that um, Matthew Mark, and Luke, they all recounted stories of jesus 's interactions with children, and there was a day when Jesus was busy as he always was and meeting with lots of people and And then all of a sudden, these parents started bringing their children to Jesus, and they just wanted Jesus to touch them. You know, if Jesus could just touch my child, if Jesus could bless my child, that's all that I want. And they were bringing the little children to Jesus. And yet, Jesus' disciples, his closest followers, who should have known better, were like, no, get back, get away. Jesus is too important for those little children. He is too busy to be bothered by them. They saw the little children as a nuisance and Jesus rebuked them. He rebuked them and he said, no, you let the little children come. And he opens his arms to the children and they start to flock to him and they embrace him and they cling to him and he embraces them and clings to them. And I believe they experienced the warmest embrace that any person could ever experience. I believe they experienced this peace which surpasses all understanding. Jesus said, come to me, come to me, cling to me, and I will cling to you. And I wonder, you know, a lot of us have gotten on in years and maybe even the thoughts of childhood are so far behind us. But don't we all long for that kind of an embrace? I mean, don't you long to be embraced by somebody with that kind of love and that kind of warmth? I think we're innately drawn to that. We're people who were made to cling to God and to cling to others. And yet, sometimes we talk ourselves out of it, and and maybe, you know, we look at, um, you know, clinging to Jesus as something rather childish. It's not something that. I'm called to do. You know, that's sort of beneath me. Like, I'm, I'm stronger. I, I don't need Jesus. And yet, I think we need Jesus all the more. We've got to cling to him. we got to cling to him. Maybe you don't know where to look or how to respond to Jesus. So, I, I want to share with you just a, a Three examples, actually, of of what it may look like to cling to God. The first is that we should cling to the Word of God. So we call it the Bible. Um, Did you know this is God's love story to you? This is God's love story to you. Imagine, we, we talk about curling up with a good book, right? Well, imagine curling up with this good book. Sit by the fire maybe, because now we're entering into winter. You know, light a fire and curl up with this good book and begin to read it. Or maybe, you know, get on, on your favorite comfortable couch or, or that chair and, and get a blanket and curl up with this good book. Or in your or in your bed, you know, with your, your flannel sheets and, and, you know, some of that dryer sheets there, you know, to keep you company. And, and you just curl up there. Or maybe it's in your car. You know, that's where I spend a lot of time, just trying to you know, find some place of peace. You know, so wherever it may be, but curl up with a good book and then start to read it. But here's here's my instruction, and, and if you've been around here, you, you know where I'm going. Don't start at the beginning. Don't start on page one. Go forward, like two-thirds of the way forward, and come to the part called the New Testament where Jesus comes on the scene. Begin there and, and begin to, to learn about Jesus and his life. Read all about it about how how he loves you, how he invites us like little children to come to him, how he died for us and then rose from the dead. Continue reading through that and, and discover the early days of the church and how these men and women were forever changed and how they went out and they forever changed the world. And then once you begin to understand who Jesus is and how you relate to him, hopefully you'll come to that point where you will surrender your life to him and become a follower of his Well, then go back to the beginning and start reading from the beginning. And then all of a sudden, I think you're going to have new eyes to see. And as you read it, I want you to do it this way. I want you to look for the fingerprints of Jesus throughout history, throughout all creation. Look at the fingerprints of Jesus there. And notice time and time again how history has been pointing to the day when Jesus, God in the flesh, would come to the earth you'll see it unfold and all of a sudden it's going to make sense to you. Curl up, cling to this good book. Secondly, cling to God through prayer. Cling to God through prayer. Sometimes we make prayer out to be something that it never was meant to be. It's just talking to God. Just like I'm talking to you, that's prayer. Talk to God. He he doesn't need your, your flowery words or you know, how you construct your sentences. I don't think he's all caught up in that. You know, he just wants you to talk to him. But you know what he really wants for you to do? Listen to him. Imagine the God of the universe wants to speak to you. Like, he has plans for your life. He wants the guy to direct you. How often do we take time to actually listen? Cling to him through prayer. Cling to him and, and set aside time every day to just talk and listen. And then learn how to discern when God is calling and when he's leading you to do this or to say that, and then do it. Because I believe he's doing that in each of our lives constantly throughout the day, and he's giving you a message. And some of us just don't hear, because we're too busy, we're not open to that. Take some time, cling to him, and learn what it means to pray without ceasing, to pray without ceasing. So cling to God through prayer. And then finally, cling to other followers. Cling to other followers. Here, here's the beautiful thing. Like, we're not meant to go through life alone. Some of us live alone. Some of us have been widowed or divorced or something. You feel like you're all alone. You're not meant to go through life all alone. When, when you become a follower of Jesus, you become part of the family, right? And it's a beautiful family. It, it's a diverse family. I mean, from every, every race, all parts of the world, that, that's our family, And we're called to live together, and we're called to celebrate together. When somebody's experienced a success, we celebrate. And when somebody's experienced a sorrow, we mourn. We're part of a bigger family. We need to cling to one another. We need each other. We need each other. So cling to a good book, his good book. Cling to him through prayer and cling to one another, this family of God that you're a part of. Now clinging to God may may sound easy but it's not like it's incredibly hard it it requires a lot from us on a daily basis and it is much easier to just cling to our phones or cling to our devices or or cling to our TV programs or or cling to our nice comfortable flannel sheets right it's much easier to cling to the, the things that are going over here in our culture than to cling to God. It's hard to cling to God. It requires discipline, it requires focus. But we need to cling to God. Um, clinging to God and obeying Him is, is the hardest, I believe it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. That's why Jesus said, You want to follow me? You sure? Like then that means you're gonna have to take up your cross daily and follow me. It's gonna be hard following me. And it's especially hard being a follower of Jesus right now in our day, in our time, because we live in a culture that offers a lot of fun stuff. They promise freedom. They promise that it's gonna be free, no strings attached. You know, it's hard to take a stand and say, no, I'm going to obey God, and I'm going to stand for what he says is right and true, because it's a lot easier to just go with the crowd, isn't it? It's easier to try not to make any waves, to just embrace whatever seems to be the cultural norm, whatever is widely acceptable, because if you take a stand and if you're trying to do the hard thing of clinging to Jesus and obeying him, then you're going to stand out, and you're going to be called out. And none of us want that, right? We don't want to be called names that are, are a misrepresentation for who we are. We don't want to be seen as bigoted or, or narrow-minded or arrogant or any of those things. That's not who we are, right? That's not what a Christ follower is like. And yet we are often characterized like that. No, we don't want that. So what do we typically do? We just blend in. We embrace what is culturally easy and normal. And I'm afraid that in the end, we might become like this used up dryer sheet that we might lose our our cleanliness and then what happens to it? What do you do with an old dryer sheet? You throw it away, it gets destroyed. That's not who we're meant to be. God wants us to cling to him so that that is never an option. He doesn't want us to be thrown away. He doesn't want us to be destroyed. He wants us to experience life and life to the full. That's what Jesus offers. He offers us this abundant life now, a life of purpose, a life that is characterized by what they call the fruit of the spirit, love. Isn't that what we are all longing for? Even when we're looking over here, we're thinking, you know, that's, that's what love is. I'm going to embrace it. He's, no, that, that's not truly what love is. Love is only found when we cling to God. And joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. That's what Jesus offers us in abundance if we cling to him. But so often we're clinging to the things of the world that offer those things but never deliver. So what are you clinging to? What is it, if you're you're really being honest with yourself, if you do an inventory of your life, maybe you just take one day. Think about what you did yesterday. What would it reveal? What were you clinging to? What are you going to do today? We're off to a good start. You know, we're all here together. That's a good start. You know, what are you clinging to? Are you clinging to this controversial person known as Jesus Christ who everybody in the world pretty much is getting ready to celebrate his birth and I'm not sure why are you clinging to him or are you clinging to the culture around you what is socially acceptable what are you clinging to let's pray dear God we thank you so much now you step down from heaven, and you came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And and I thank you that that we are in a much better position than these poor Israelites. Lord, they had plenty of evidence. They had the promises, but they didn't have the person of Jesus. They didn't have the gift of the Holy Spirit living within them, Lord. And it must have been so much harder then than it is today. But, Lord, today it's tough. We live in a hostile world. We live in a hostile environment. We live in a, a culture where it is, it is not um, widely acceptable to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so we pray for the courage. We pray for the strength that can only come from you to embrace you, to cling to you. And not to the ways of this world, not to the gods of this world, even though they may be easy. Help us, Lord to cling to you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.